Did You Have To is a proud member of the Bawaii podcast community. Welcome back to Did You Have To, the podcast where two bad bitches talk about anime. And here are your hosts, Kate and Nisha. Yeah! Nisha's quirk, stress ball. By internalizing her stress about the world being in chaos and crime, she converts that stress into a superpower, becoming a badass. Kate's quirk, waifu warrior. By just watching her favorite shows, she can manifest real or fictional characters into the real thing. They come to life and fight by her side. Not every character does it, though. She has to find the individual really hot. Yeah! Hey, everybody. I'm Kate. And I'm Nisha. And today, we're talking Dragon Quest with Grant. Hi, everybody. And if you don't know, Grant is from the Gilmore Ball Z podcast, and it is amazing. Grant, why don't you tell everybody about about it? Yeah, Gilmore Ball Z is a podcast where my wife Paige and I, uh, every episode, we watch one episode of Gilmore Girls, the 2000s WB drama, and one episode of Dragon Ball Z, uh, specifically Dragon Ball Z Kai. And if you think that these things don't match, that's kind of the point, right? I love Dragon Ball, she loves Gilmore Girls, and we both didn't really know about it, and so we decided to teach each other and make it a podcast. But uh, there's also a lot more common ground between the two shows than you'd think. So we talk a lot about bad parenting, uh, we talk a lot about screaming, and uh, we talk a lot about children whose fathers are absent in their lives and so therefore gravitate to the tall grumpy man uh who tends to pseudo raise them <laughs> that is the perfect description of both of those shows mm-hmm. <laughs> i will say y'all's podcast is the reason why i watch gilmore gilmore girls now so, <laughs> never had the urge to watch it growing up but it is y'all's podcast that has led me to like now being so interested because I love y'all episodes when y'all talk about them. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's what the podcast is. And we have had Nisha and Kate on in the past. So there's your gateway in. You can listen to how much I hate Rory. <laughs> she's really the worst. <laughs> yes, she is. Uh, she's only gotten worse since the episode that you guested on, Kate. Oh, dear. She got no. a Birkin bag. The episode I was on, she got a Birkin bag. That's what I took away from it. But yeah. Wow. Yeah, Vegeta, Vegeta, like, really taking in the power of the Majin, aligned with Rory just fully absorbing the power of her white privilege. (laughs) That is the best description. And I'm now going to go watch those two things together. Um, oh, but we should probably start with Today and Weeb. Uh, if this is yeah. your first time listening to the show, Today and Weeb used to be called Crunch Time, but now it is just where we talk about all the weeby things that we are currently enjoying, reading, watching, or any news that popped up. And my first one is I started watching, uh, Doro. Doho de Doro? I don't know. The new Netflix Doro de Doro, whatever the hell it is. That damn <laughs> weird thing where it once again proves that Netflix is trying to make everybody furries and or what an amphibian equivalent to is, is to a furry. Um, the conspiracy continues. Um, it's weird. I don't know what's happening, but I'm like four episodes in and I'm like, okay, I got to stick with it. Eventually it will make sense. 
binged all of it I'm, in one day. I'm not. <laughs> That's fine. I I watched B Stars twice before you watched it once, so it makes sense. Um, it does. <laughs> and then I, have, I just want to make it very clear: I'm not attracted to the character's head. It is his body. Oh my god. <laughs> I am not afraid. I'm sure if you turn off the lights, you will still no, 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 that. no, no. Maybe I need to watch this show. <laughs> he's a tall, broad man whose head was replaced with an alligator. He's cursed. Oh. He's cursed. <laughs> but listen, the women in the show—they have the biggest, buffest arms, and those are arm goals. So that's that's what. Fine. Watch that for that alone. All the women in the show have these well, except for one, but I don't care about her. The ones I like have these huge buff arms. I'm like, you are goals. Oof. Um, and then I've been reading, I just finished, I, or rather, I just got caught up on Queen's Quality, which, yo, this manga's good. It's a shoujo, uh, shoujo beat title published by Viz Media. And it is essentially about, it is the sequel to QQ Sweeper, which was a three-volume series that focused on this homeless girl who actually holds a secret power inside her. Um, and essentially, there are these things called sweepers who kind of work as exorcists to get rid of bugs. And bugs are kind of these, like, uh, malice beings that grow inside people. And she she has the power of a hidden queen inside her. And Queen's Quality is a sequel to this where you get to see her come into that power and you get her big romance because you have to have that. Um, and it's actually a good romance. And the most recent volume, um, which my review is up on the site, uh, up on butwhythopodcast.com, we actually didn't get shoujo baited. I repeat, this is <laughs> not a shoujo tease. They kiss, y'all. They kiss. And there are more arcs coming after this. I'm excited. Oh. They kissed multiple times and they said, I love you. I I am. Damn. My wow. skin is hydrated. I have gained years on my life. It is the only goodness <laughs> in the world right now. And I am thankful. So if you love shoujo, but you just hate being teased and consistently saying, now kiss, as we talked about on our last episode, this is one for you. It's very good. Also, mm-hmm. very, very dark and spooky art from the mangaka. It is... Amazing. Sign me the hell up. Mm-hmm. I'm down. I love it so much, I bought all nine volumes. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> <laughs> now that's commitment. That's how you sell, that's how you sell a manga. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Dope. Um, oh, is it my turn now? Or should we let Grant go? Uh, let Grant go. Okay, I'll go. Um, so my weebiness, I've actually been like, I've been more headfirst into my weebiness than usual lately. Uh, so one big thing I'm doing on my free time is, uh, a while back for, I think it was Christmas, my older brother got me the Blu-ray box set of Vision of Escaflone, (gasps) which Mm. is like one of my favorite anime from, uh, my childhood when it aired on Fox Kids and then got canceled halfway through because they realized that, you know, the back half of it had a lot of violence. <laughs> um, but it's always been one of my favorites ever since. And so I'm watching the new, uh, the Blu-ray from the Funimation dub, because Funimation got the rights to it. They did a whole new dub, all new characters, or all new voice actors, rather. 
Um, and so it's been really cool watching it with a new voice cast and just a more modern dub. So some of the moments that feel kind of weird in the old Sunrise dub uh, just move a little bit smoother in this one, um, which is really cool. Uh, and they got uh, they got a really good cast, like Caitlin Glass, as he told me. I forget his name off the top of my head, but the original Alphonse Elric is Vaughn. Um, and uh, Hatsune Miku is Falcon. So, uh, not actually Hatsune Miku, it's actually Vic. Oh. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, I know. Sadness. Uh, but oh. yeah, any, uh, great voice cast. I've been really enjoying going back and watching that as an adult. Um, I realized that the character who I'd written off as a fuckboy for uh, a long time Actually, when you look at it, his fuckboyism really is deeply rooted in trauma, and he's kind of on a self-destructive, <laughs> depressive spiral the entire series. And so it's like, oh, you're still a fuckboy, but I understand why now. That's <laughs> me with every bad character that I love. It is. <laughs> it's on brand. Well, there's the thing is, he's not a villain. Like, he's one of the heroes, <clears throat> but he's also a fuckboy. Sure. And then when Have you, you really seen who I thirst after on Twitter, it is not just villains. It is also that's true. Rock boy. <laughs> that's is true. He tortured? Right. Is he tortured? Oh, totally. Dude, he got a body. Y'all remember my baby? and Kenshin? Yeah, that's where it began. <laughs> <laughs> Again, does he have uh, hair and is he moody? Uh, is no. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's Kate. That's still. the main character. <laughs> um. So I've been watching that and having a ton of fun with that. Um, also, Paige and I have been um, our kind of quarantine binge has been has been rewatching The Last Airbender. Um, nice. Yeah, so we're making our way through that. We're almost done with uh, rewatching Avatar: The Last Airbender. We'll we may or may not do Legend of Korra after that. I did. Um, it was great. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I know. I, I have Korra... also never seen Korra before, so that's Korra is great. But then it's like. It ends I don't know. Soon. Yes. Yeah, well, Korra was, was renewed piecemeal, so they weren't able to just plot a full arc. So that okay. does give it some issues along the way. But overall, I also really like Korra. I know it gets some hate in the community, but whatever. Fuck the haters. I liked it. <laughs> oh, um, exactly. That's our energy yeah. on this pod. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, the other thing that I'm real excited about is uh, Right Stuff Anime ha- got notified me that they got back in stock the Blu-ray box set of Gurren Lagann. Ooh. Uh, which is my personal goat anime. That's my <laughs> all-time it's favorite. It's a great anime. It's, it's a my great anime. all-time favorite. I love that show so much. So now I have <clears throat> the whole series and both movies on Blu-ray, which is awesome. So I'll probably go through and watch those soon. Um, and the last thing, I've been, I've been full weeb lately. The last thing is, honestly... I've basically played nothing but JRPGs since, like, last October. <laughs> um, I've just been playing JRPGs nonstop. So, uh, right now, actually, fittingly, right now, I am playing Dragon Quest Seven on my 3DS, because I, uh, I guess this is kind of getting into the topic of the episode, but despite loving, loving, loving JRPGs, uh, you know, they're my favorite genre of game, I always go back to them. I'd actually never played Dragon Quest until really recently. I was like, you know, I gotta go. I gotta go back and do this because it's such an important series to the genre. 
And so I've been playing through the entire series in order, and now I'm up to Dragon Quest Seven, and I'm really enjoying it. So nice. that is all, um, like, <clears throat> I'm keeping myself busy until Trails of Cold Steel 4 comes out in the fall, um, which means I'm also gearing up for, there's a, an event every summer called the Four Job Fiesta, which is uh, a ch- an event for charity. This year it is benefiting the Minnesota Freedom Fund. Uh, to pay nice. bail for uh, protesters in Minnesota who were, were arrested. Um, and what it is, is you play Final Fantasy V, except that uh, normally in Final Fantasy V, you, it's a job class-based game, so you, you find four crystals throughout the game, and each one gives you different character classes that you can swap around your characters and gain new abilities. The four-job fiesta is you're only allowed to use one job from each of the four crystals, uh, that's chosen randomly by a Twitter bot. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, I've done it the last two summers, and so I'm doing it again this year, so I'm, like, kind of gearing up and getting ready. I'm thinking, I'm I'm getting ready to stream it this time on uh, Gilmore Ball Z's Twitch page to uh, see if we can maybe raise some more money for the Minnesota Freedom Fund. That's awesome. So that, I think, is basically all of my weebiness right now. That's a lot of weebiness. That's, that's a hefty amount. amount. That's more weebiness than I usually have. I've just been in a really weeby mood lately. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, like, I've... So I looked at my reading history across the different things that I use to read manga, and I am at, like, 7,500 chapters of manga written since we entered quarantine. Jesus. Wow. A lot of it is smut. But a lot of it is not. Like, I read 315 chapters of Food Wars. That yeah, that is a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I've also read a lot of smut. So if you're looking, I mean, like, your, your, your weeb, coming into your weeb again is literally what I've been doing this entire time, too, Grant. Well, I'm glad I'm in good company, then. What about you, Nisha? Um, so, for me... So, quick thing, we have, I, this is just an update to something we mentioned in <clears throat> Today and Weeb a while ago about the Inuyasha sequel. Oh, it's been confirmed that Rin is the mother of Shishamaru's children. Mm. If we want to go off of Twitter rumors. Man, that's not a confirmation. <laughs> that is mm. I don't know. I don't know much. Like I was never, I was never into Inuyasha. Really, I don't know much about Inuyasha, but I know enough to go mm, at that. Sorry. I would also I... like everybody, all of our listeners, to know that I apologize for when I am uh, flummoxed, if you would say, when Nisha says something, and my West Side of San Antonio comes out. <laughs> Man, those are those are rumors. I apologize for that. But also, yeah, no, I just thought it was like I'm checking. I'm checking my Fitbit now. Like <laughs> it's been confirmed. Just show me maybe a pet. No, don't put that on my man. Not, we're not gonna go down this rabbit hole because you know there's people who will argue with us. Thumbs up. Because it is just I can't get past him ever falling in love with another human woman. So. It's- it's Which it's still weird. weird. It's just mixed. It, it's weird. It's Woody Allen level. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can't. But it came up on the timeline like a few times. So I'm just like, is there any truth to this? But 
I don't know. People are still talking about it. So we'll see. Um, but I just thought that would be funny to bring up. <laughs> sorry, Kate. Sorry, Kate's heart. Um, but it's for my actual today and weed uh-huh. thing. <laughs> uh-huh. just, 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 just go on to the next thing. I want to just talk about um, Blue Flag. So it's a manga. I recently reviewed volume two and for on it on the why the website so i also after our last episode have just been feeling the love and wanted to read more romance manga instead of the dark and creepy scary shit that i usually read and man actually while i reviewed the like first and second volumes for the website the final chapter had dropped and i read it and my heart is broken and it was put back together again it's just a very very emotional manga and it's got like this four quadrangle love thing going on like you got the best you got the main character Ichinose and you got his best friend Toma and then he has a friend named Futaba and there's that's a love triangle <laughs> but it's but it's not the traditional love triangle because even on the manga's cover they know what they're doing they're literally telling you that his best friend Toma is in love with the main character the boy and yeah. like it just flips it on its head and it's just a very good manga because it's not like this. It's just like they're they're kids and they're dealing with very complicated things. Like he's trying he 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 doesn't tell his friend. He hasn't conf- like it's all this stuff. And he just he's cheering on his friend falling in love with this girl and the girl's in love with Toma, his best friend. So it's just the love triangle is a mess. And then you throw in Futaba's best friend, who is a girl who's in love with Futaba. Just this sounds juicy. It is very juicy and very drama, and it's just very good because usually I don't care for high school romance like mangas. Like I've kind of fallen out of them, but this one's really good because I think they go deeper with the story and the characters. Like the two characters who are gay, they are actually focusing on like what they're going through because they're like the boy and the girl. Like they don't have anyone. They haven't shared. They know each other's secret. So they're the only ones they've been able to confide in each other's secret. So it's just like they're going through the, they're going through a rough time, and then meanwhile, the main character and the other girl are falling in love with each other. So like everyone's hearts are breaking. I'm sorry, that was just like all over the place. I but this manga is so- that sounds that sounds like entirely my shit. <laughs> it is your shit. You go read it so you can cry about it with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be alone. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so that was my today, and we we got a lot of weediness. We did. That's a good healthy <laughs> chunk. But we got to get everyone, into more of it. <laughs> everyone gets weebier in quarantine, and then you add a third person, so that's going to be a lot more weed. <laughs> but we picked the right person because, like you said, you have been playing Dragon Quest, and I think like for a while now, I noticed. I think it was maybe it was your Twitter handle. It said playing Dragon Quest. I was like, oh, there's a Dragon Quest anime movie that came out. I wonder if he's going to watch it. So that's how you ended up being a guest on our show. I mean, you were, in, you were going to be a guest inevitably. But this kind <laughs> of aligned, this aligned and gave us an excuse to have you on now. And I got to say, it gave me an excuse to watch this movie, which I have complicated feelings about that I'm eager to discuss. Ooh, yay. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yes, because I'm I'm not a Dragon Quest pro. I'm familiar with it, but so I'm excited to hear your thoughts. But I have the description pulled up if you guys are ready to get into it. Yes, let's do it. Okay, 
Dragon Quest, your story. Luca follows in his father's footsteps to rescue his mother from evil Laja. Finding the heavenly hero who wields the Zenithian sword is his only hope. And that is the Netflix description. <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's the that's the summary, and yeah, I, the thing that kind of like drew my attention to this is like when it first got announced, like early last year, is it is one of those CG three D CG animated films, like the it's and it's one of the better ones, I will say, like, it's like pure the, the style. CG too. It it reminds me of like mm-hmm. DreamWorks animation, mm-hmm. like uh, How to Train Your Dragon level. Yes. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just like that it's not. I don't know because we've seen some pretty bad CG, mm-hmm. like three D CGI movie, anime movie. Oh god, one so much. But like, this is on the level. Like, I'm excited. The reason I'm excited for the Lupin one is because like that's a new medium for the Lupin film to be animated in. And like, I just liked how smooth all of this was animated, and it just yeah. it looks good. But what were your guys' thought? Uh, like, as far as the animation goes, or like first thoughts. I thought it was gorgeous. At first, I thought it was kind of weird because the trailer, I think I think it's the trailer, the trailer of the scene that Netflix shows for it isn't the most flattering, but once you actually get to watch it, there are elements of it that are really, really well done, uh, specifically in some of the pieces where they mess with like a digital space at the end of the film. Um, mm-hmm. I it, it, it just, it really sings... And it has, it's like this balance, because when you look at Saint Seiya, or even like Ultraman to an extent, Mm. you have this animation that is aiming for 3D while keeping a 2D quality. Um, With Saint Seiya less so, but it's very stiff. Whereas this film actually feels like, it, it feels like a DreamWorks animation film or a Pixar film. Um, but it still maintains that, like, mang- that manga, like, or not manga, that, like, anime-esque animation. But I, I think yes. my favorite parts were the settings, like, the backdrops mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the animals and the little blue guy, the little blue poop-looking guy. I like him. Um, <laughs> Gertrude. Yes. Yes, Gertrude. <laughs> Gertrude is adorable. It was really good, I, and I didn't think I was going to like it, but it was really, really well animated. For me, like, everything that both of you said is totally true. For me, the other thing that was really cool, as someone who has been, like, I wouldn't consider myself, like, an expert on Dragon Quest just because I'm relatively new to it, but who has been immersed in Dragon Quest for, mm-hmm. like, a while now, because I've been playing these pretty much nonstop since, like, January, as someone who's been immersed in Dragon Quest for a really long time, the coolest part for me was the monsters. Because the monsters really do look like if you took the sprites from the old Dragon Quest game, specifically Dragon Quest V, that this one's mostly based on, Mm -hmm. and made them 3D, that's what they would look like. Like, the orcs in the prison all looked really cool, and, like, there was a bit when they were charging up for the big final fight at Mount Azimuth where, like, uh, they're cutting through a whole bunch of chimeras, and it all, it looks like Dragon Quest, which mm-hmm. is really cool. And the same thing with the spells, where when they would throw the spells out, it was like, yeah, if you took the old spell animations and gave it this really cool feel. So, like, visually, the movie felt like 
them trying to do Advent Children for Dragon mm-hmm. Quest. Yeah. In a way that was really cool. The only yeah. thing with animation that bugged me was that I wa- I don't know about you guys, but I watched the dub. Yeah, um, I did too. Dear God, the lip flaps were terrible. Yes, <laughs> they were. Yes, they yeah. were. I tried to, like, I thought, at first of all, like, I paused it. I'm like, is it me? Is it my screen? Like, is, is it me? But then, like, you see, it, it happens, like, repeatedly. Uh-huh. So it's like, uh, I really, I don't know. I just, I hate when dubs do that. Um, It's just, it's annoying. But I wasn't going to watch it in sub, so here we are. Yeah, it's also hard too, right? Because like I, uh, from an animator perspective, I kind of wonder what the different process processes of dubbing go from doing something that is three dimensional to mm-hmm. doing something that is two D. Because I feel like two D is just so much easier. Like when I look mm-hmm. at those dubs, right. or is it the fact that a lot of anime, especially shonen and in any sort of shonen jump title gets made with the um the anticipation of being dubbed in another language right so i wonder and this is just like i never considered that larger question um if there's any animators who listen to the show i would love to know when you're animating something is it different if you know that it's going to be dubbed into something else specifically from two very different languages um like japanese to english um and is that different when you look at something that is uh is three-dimensional versus 2d because i mean you find this in games a lot like one of the things that happens in gaming and i assume it's the same thing for anime is they have localization teams whose entire job is to take the materials that have been that have been printed in the main country of origin and then redistributing them re-translating them and making sure that they fit the cultural context that it's going into and Mm -hmm. I, I just I'm I'm very in, intrigued to know more. Um about That makes a lot of sense though, because it's like that movie Inside Out, um, they changed the baby's food from broccoli to bell peppers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in Japan, like people don't I guess like it's like babies don't like bell peppers or it's like it's like whatever it's like the equivalent of broccoli. Like yeah. kids don't eat broccoli, so they don't like bell peppers. So that's a good point. And I would be curious to find that out too, because it could totally just be a thing that Netflix acquired it and Netflix did the dubs. Because Netflix's dubs are not always that great. Um, I've seen like with other anime. <laughs> so ah, that's just. I drag Netflix's anime. I'm sorry. I'm really excited for Whisker Away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I watched Mirai. So that was good. That just came out on Netflix. That was good. But yeah, they just do better with dubs, please. But you know, if you want to sponsor us, we'll say good things about you all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I agree with you guys. I think my favorite thing with the animation was definitely like when they were fighting the monsters and like how they Mm -hmm. would crumble away. I thought that was a very cool animation. And like, because I did look up some clips from the game. So I thought it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, which we can get into it, but it kind of like, like, so I watched this the first time when it first came out a while ago, and like the ending was a little surprising. Like I caught on to it midway through, but this is something we can get into with the, with y'all towards the end of our discussion. Yeah. Um. So besides just like the animation, Grant, since you seem to have like a lot of knowledge with Dragon Quest lore, how did you like the story? I don't know. I don't know if I would quite give myself that much credit, but 
The, you played more games than me. I give you that credit. Yep. <laughs> the story was interesting because it like. So for most of this movie, I was like, okay, this is just kind of meh. Like I, I was kind of somewhere between bored and vaguely interested for a lot of this movie. Um, and it's because it, and it with the end, it makes sense why, but it's because it, it made itself a little bit too beholden to the story of the original game. Mm. Um, the, the, the story of this movie more or less follows the same story as Dragon Quest V. Like, the whole beginning bit, uh, montage at the start, where they kind of rush through the whole first act of the game, is just ripped from gameplay footage of the original version of Dragon Quest V. And it followed the, um, it followed the basic beats of the game, sometimes a little too closely, where it's like, you, you know, when you're, this is the same discussion that I'm sure you've had on the show many times, of when you're adapting something to a different medium, mm-hmm. you've got to take those things into consideration. Um, but it was competent. I mean, it did make some changes when it made sense to make those changes, right? Like, the whole bit, the whole middle act was like, do I choose Bianca or do I choose Nira? Um, in the original game, uh, for starters, the original game gives you no reason to choose anybody other than Bianca. <laughs> really? Because um, they don't have... They don't establish a backstory they don't establish uh, uh, a history between the hero and Nira in the game whereas okay. in the movie they implied that the hero that Luca and Nira had spent time together uh, you meet her literally once in passing as a child in the original game and then she's like there and they only kind of even address the fact that um, you'd met before whereas you actually do in, in the movie, they mentioned up to Tin Towers a couple times, where that's a whole dungeon in the game that you do with Bianca as a party member when you're both kids. Okay, I see. Yeah, so, like, you have a history... The player has a history with Bianca by the time you get to the point where you're choosing who to marry. So you're like, of course I'm going to marry Bianca. I actually know who this character is. That makes sense. Gotcha. That does make sense. Because I was um, kind of wondering, like, had he not... Like, in, in this, not just, like, in the movie. Like, now knowing in the movie, like he was not going to not choose Bianca, but, like, in the game, I was like, so how does the game play out if you choose Nira? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the other thing is that Nira actually has an older sister in the game named Deborah, mm-hmm. who you can also choose to marry. Okay. And she kind of has the, like, wild child, like, spitfire personality that they gave Bianca in the movie. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah, Bianca isn't quite as, like, you know, she she just doesn't quite have that same attitude in the game. She's certainly not, like, a wilting flower or anything, but she's just, she's a bit more of a middle ground between the two. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas they definitely played up her her attitude more in the movie to make her a contrast to Nero, which I thought was interesting. Um, But I really loved that they did the whole thing of, like, of course you're going to choose Bianca, because <laughs> I don't know this for a fact, because I'm not super deep in the Dragon Quest fandom, but I wouldn't be surprised if, like, everybody chooses Bianca because she's an actual character. <laughs> that, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> um, but the, the other major change that was interesting um, that, didn't have a, that didn't have an establishment within the twist at the end that I assume we want to get to later mm-hmm. is just in general, this kind of pulled in um, a couple of elements from Dragon Quest Four, 
in ways that I'm not totally convinced it needed to, but it didn't hurt the movie, so, like, whatever. But the whole thing of the hero's mom being Zenithian is not present in Dragon Quest V. Huh. That's actually the deal in Dragon Quest IV, is that your mother was a Zenithian who fell from Zenithia and fell in love with a human. Um, and so, in Dragon Quest V, it's just that it's many, many, many generations later, and Pankraz, the hero's father, is trying to find the descendant of Dragon Quest IV's legendary hero. And the game tries to make you think it's you for a little bit, uh, and then you get the sword before Pankraz dies in the game, and you can't equip it. Yeah. And so then... So it, it does the same thing, where the hero's son ends up being the hero, being the legendary hero, you know? Yeah. Right. Um... But their explanation is just that whoever you married, retroactively they say, oh, she must be a descendant of the previous legendary hero. Okay. Okay. I see. So that answers my question. Because I was kind of like, had he chose Nera, then the legendary hero never would have been born? Yeah, no, the game would have just adjusted to account for that. That's um, very interesting and very JRPG. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> It doesn't matter who you love. <laughs> you still get your hero child. It doesn't matter as long as you're still a protagonist. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, it, so it followed the same basic story beats, which was interesting. Um, and like, it did make some other cuts. Like in the original game, uh, in the original game, your the, the hero's wife actually has twins. And so there's a son and a daughter. Um, and the son ends up being the legendary hero. The daughter's just a really powerful mage. So, like, there are there were some changes made here and there, but in general, I feel like if they if you were going to just make a straight adaptation of Let's Turn Dragon Quest V into a movie, it would need you'd need to make some changes because, like, I would guess, and you can back me up or not, but I would guess that a lot of the plot felt kind of confusing when you skip over yes. the entire first act of the story. Yes. 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 Because <laughs> it was, I, I felt the same way with, like, we didn't see all this development with Nera or Bianca, so I was kind of just like, I'm just supposed to assume that these little, what are they, like, 8-bit dots felt like it made all this connection and formed a bond, which, I mean, like, for people who play the game, I guess they get that. Mm -hmm. So, like, the fans. The fans get that. But it was just like, I agree. It's like, a montage would have helped. A montage of, like, the, like that being actually animated in, like, the CG animation, like, seeing them when they're younger, I think would have helped. Because I, I guarantee some people probably didn't, like, read and pay attention to the 8-bit dialogue going on there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, the hero getting the dragon orb is glossed over. Mm -hmm. So is that one of those things, like, when you think about it story-wise, because I was, I was fairly confused in a lot of the movie, but I was like, this is anime, anime is gonna do this, <laughs> um, so I'm, like, used to being confused, but I was kind of just, not taken aback, but, like, trying to figure out what was happening a lot of time, and it may just be because I, I wasn't fully tuned in to the opening but like are there elements just like of the movie in general that you kind of have a better appreciation of having played the game and or games that just kind of like hit or is it something that like 
I don't know. Like, I guess, like, on the scale of, like, 1 to 10, what is the accessibility of this film for new fans from the perspective of somebody who has played seven Dragon Quest games over the last Question. however many days? <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I feel like this is a movie that is just, like, for the fans and that's it. Okay. Uh, okay. That makes um, I don't feel bad anymore. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's it. Like, it's... The, the cool the stuff that's cool about it is stuff that's cool because it's fun easter eggs of the games and yeah like the only reason i was able to stay keyed in and keep track of everything happening in that little opening montage was because it was literally a game i'd already played okay. and so it was like okay. i already know what all this stuff is like and it seemed weird to me at first like really they're jumping straight to pancras's death that's weird but mm-hmm. it came around for me at the end but i feel like it only the, this movie only worked for me because I have played the game and I played it recently. I feel like I have never had such strong emotions about such a mediocre film. Oh dear. <laughs> right? That is like, interesting. That's like, I take. I like it. <laughs> it's it's this overall the story is way too slave to the original game. Like you said, it's really not accessible unless you've played the game, which, like, why bother adapting the game if it's not accessible unless you've played it? And it just kind of dithers around in weird ways. Way too much time gets spent on Bianca and Nira, right? Like, yeah. it's it's a bloated mess, and, a lot, and yet also skips most of the game. It's a mess. But uh, those last ten minutes... I, like, those last ten minutes, I freaked out, and I loved. I thought those last ten minutes were this weird, beautiful, mediocre genius in this unique way that, like, I went from, like, oh, boy, okay, we're gonna have to, I'm gonna have to talk about this movie for an hour, to, at the end, I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to record this episode. (laughs) No, I think that's a good point, because, like, I mean... Having not played any games and like very very loose knowledge of it, like I know Kira Toriyama worked on the manga for like the Dragon Quest manga. I know nothing about like the video game lore. Oh yeah, um, I mean, he did the concept art for all the games and everything. Too. Right, like right. He's, he's been he's been in in it since the beginning of the franchise. Right, and that was kind of like my whole thing. Like Dragon Quest was always in the back of my head. Like one day I'm going to play these games, or one day I'm going to read this manga, or I'll watch the original anime because I was like, why not? It's part of his portfolio, and honestly, all the m- all the characters look like Dragon Ball Z characters. I just want to mm-hmm. say that. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought, yeah. it's just like, oh, do you want to read? Do you want to read Goku as an RPG character? Sure, why not? <laughs> um, no shade, but it's just like it's still one of those things where like I like fantasy. I like I like this kind of genre. I like JRPGs. Yeah. Um, but like everything you just said about like going into this not having much knowledge as a like as a fan of this kind of genre, I think that's what kind of made me like it. Um, like inter- I should say interested to watch it but like you're right because like it's definitely something that I think I assumed like this probably hits harder with the fans yeah. than it hits for me but like those last 10 minutes were amazing but it's like if it wasn't for the animation I don't think I would have liked it as much yeah mm-hmm. yeah because so. I think definitely I there were there were parts where like I wanted to check out and I don't I mean I guess like not want to check out but like there were parts where I was kind of like, mm, I am a little confused. What is this a little convoluted? But mm-hmm. it didn't bother me because it was so pretty. Yes. Because that's the thing. It's just like, 
if you if you make something drawn well enough, you can kind of I can kind of ignore the mediocreness. <laughs> if you animate it and make it look pretty enough, I might just say, oh, this isn't that bad. But yeah, when you remove the animation, it is kind of like I can have this on in the background and listen to the dub. Yeah. But um, since we've kind of talked about it, let's get into those last 10 minutes, because I think that yeah. I agree with you, Grant. Like, I think that's something that I was kind of like, what is this? What's happening? Um, so do you want to go ahead and talk about it, Grant? I would love to talk about it. Uh, okay. I'll gladly hijack this episode to talk about this ending. <laughs> yes, go for um, it. You have the you have the keys. So, <laughs> so okay. So for people who aren't going to watch this movie, right? They go. There's a big Avengers Endgame fight. Everybody shows up, fights all the people, and the hero like slashes the evil wizard in half and uses the legendary sword to seal the portal to hell, which is in the sky for some reason, even though it's called Nadiria because it's the Nadir as the opposite of a zenith. So it's it's a big hole in the ground in the game, but they're like, no, it has to be a sky portal because this is post twenty ten. Um, but anyway, it looks like so. That is the point in the game, sort of. The ending plays out differently in the movie, but whatever. That is basically the point in the game where the real final boss is supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. And and because they keep mentioning this Grandmaster Nimzo, who's the real big dark force from hell who is manipulating everything and in the game you jump in the portal go to nadiria go to nimzo's palace and kick his fucking teeth in and that's how the game ends but instead in the movie everything pauses and instead of nimzo coming out it's this like digimon summer wars shit <laughs> and everything gets all everything gets all pixelated and basically, you find out that the hero is not just the hero in this Dragon Quest story. He's a normal person in Japan, however many decades in the future, when VR technology has gotten so good, you can go in a pod, they can temporarily erase your memories, and you can play through a video game in a hyper-realistic VR simulation Including, since they've wiped your memories, being in the hero's shoes, feeling everything the hero feels, feeling this is your real life. Which begs a real important question for me. Of all of the Dragon Quest heroes you could pick to want to experience their life as it stands, why the fuck would you pick five? (laughs) You both watched this movie. His life fucking sucks. (laughs) I was going to ask was I was gonna ask why five for this movie? That was actually gonna be one of my questions. It was gonna be I mean, one of mine too because I was like, when we see adaptations, it usually it's like an amalgamation of multiple like games, or it's like the first one or adaptation with a whole yeah. new original story and. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, no, Kate. No, no, but, no, uh, but yeah, no, it's like I I was expecting that, and then I was kind of wondering, like, why is this game? Is it the most popular game? Is it like the most like renowned? Did they sell the most copies of it? Like my understanding, mm-hmm. and I again, I'm pretty new to Dragon Quest, so I might be wrong, but my understanding is that at the very least, like of the more retro games, it is the most popular. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, but 
Why the fuck would you pick this guy? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what hyper-realistic VR simulation do I want to live? I know, being a slave for ten years. <laughs> yep. And your dad dying in front of you. And your, your mom dad being, being brutally. Yeah, your dad brutally dying in front of you, then being a slave for ten years, then being turned to stone for another eight. Like... Right. Which, again, because before the, like, before we get the reveal of, like, oh, he's playing a VR simulator, which I'm just gonna say, no one's using that technology for evil, apparently. Because it's, <laughs> nah. you can erase people's minds, and they, in, like, a few hours, they live a whole lifetime. That just, like, that was the part that got me. He has lived an entire lifetime in this video game, and he's only been in there for two hours. Damn. The future yeah. is bright. I mean, that kind of describes a quarantine time, but... <laughs> you know what? That's right. This this is fitting. But, like, I'm, I guess when I first went into it, like, not knowing the game, like, until I started the movie and you saw the game was based off the video game, I had thought, like, oh, are they going to do an adaptation of the manga? Or the original anime? Because oh. I was kind of... That was my thought, because I was just like, oh, that would be cool, because, like, that's a whole bunch of content. You could do whatever you want there, because I... I mean, going into this, I maybe thought, like, is this going to kick off the Dragon Quest, um, like, film, like, cinema universe? Like, are they going to do more Dragon Quest movies? Because this would have been a really good jumping point. I'm not saying they couldn't do that, but, like, why not go for the manga? Yeah. (laughs) Because it looks very interesting. I'm probably going to deep dive into that next. I mean, What I really want them to... Go ahead. Okay. What I really want them to do is to do a Dragon Quest anime, but do it like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, where every season is just about a different I hero. Love that. I love that idea. I love that yes. so much. I think I mean, it'd be dope. Because that, that's essentially, for me, what I thought was that that's, uh, that's what that kind of ending opens up. Right? Like, mm. oh, if this is a simulation, then we can totally have this be the reason as to how we get another dragon quest because i haven't played i think i've played like maybe two dragon quest games i played a lot of blaze blue but like uh Mm. instead of that but at the same time like i like is it kind of final fantasy-esque where it's just different 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 things kind of parties and characters right yeah, like the first three dragon quest games and then like like one two three and four five six are their own discrete trilogies, but, like, they're very loosely connected. And then after that, it seems like they're just kind of going one and done. So it's basically like Final Fantasy, where there isn't really a whole lot of character overlap. Um, But, like, within the first and second trilogies, there's some very loose mythology between them. More so the first three. Um, But, yeah, so, like... So it's not quite like Final Fantasy, but it's not one big continuous story like like Trails or whatever. Yeah. Um. So. So the thing I like, I was I was thrown when this twist happened, and I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" And he so this like program explains that it's a virus that some like loser hacker troll put into the pod to crash the game right before the end and then just, you know, call you a loser. And it's like, ha ha ha, I'm trolling these nerds that go into the pod, right? (laughs) Yes. And I wasn't expecting to feel things in this movie, but then this movie made me feel things. 
because they cut because they start saying, "Oh, you're a loser. These adventures aren't real. These people aren't real. You need to go out and experience the real world." And they cut to the hero, his human, his real life personality, getting Dragon Quest V as a Christmas present from his mom. And then there's like a supercut of like him playing Dragon Quest V, and then like him looking probably like a college student. He's holding the PS2 controllers. So he was probably playing like Dragon Quest VIII, eating ramen in his dorm, and like he he does the anime speech about how just because the games aren't real, strictly speaking, doesn't mean that the experiences you have and the adventures you have and the part of your life that they take up doesn't matter. And it's just like, it's just, it's just that right mix of cheesy, but also genuinely heartfelt and touching that makes a great anime speech. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And but like, also we're all nerds. So like, of course that hit like right in the chest. <laughs> Cause we can all think of that one game. We can all think of that one game that when we were young and it changed our lives, mine was kingdom hearts. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, it's it, it it's just because it, it hits home like oh shoot yeah I know this isn't real god damn it but it gave me escapism mm-hmm. yeah and I have told both of you separately when I guested on other podcasts about Final Fantasy mm-hmm. that for me Final Fantasy has always been there for me it's always been it's like comfort food yeah and I feel like JRPGs in general for me have always been my like. They've been my coping mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. And I think especially now with like quarantine and the world's on fire and shit, like I think yeah. it's not a it's not a coincidence that I've like I said during our our wee bit, I think it's not a coincidence that I've really fallen back into JRPGs as the world's become more stressful. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I understand JRPGs. I don't need to learn anything new for JRPGs. It's comforting. It's it's like going home in a way for me. Mm -hmm. So watching this movie during all of this was just this perfect convergence for me of like, oh dear God, it's true. Like it's, 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 it, it was surprisingly impactful given the fact that the rest of this movie was kind of mediocre. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but I, I I think you're right though. Cause like, I I think that that's what makes this movie. Cause I agree. Like, I wasn't really taken with this movie at all until that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it puts you in that space where you automatically just, like, it hits. And I think especially with how bad everything is in, in in so many different ways right now and how scary everything is we just need something that grounds us and i think for a lot of us whether it's gaming whether it's gaming whether it's manga whether it's something else it it, it ties us to this part of us that mm-hmm. can go back to where we can find that joy and we can find that happiness and we can kind of retreat and I I, I think I, I think everybody should watch this movie not because it's a great movie but because I think people will hit on that 
Mm-hmm. I think some people have to hit on that right now. I agree. Because, like, like we've said, it's no shade to, like, the work that went into this movie. Like, I think it's it's beautiful. And, like, for someone who, like, loves fantasy and stuff, like, I'm very interested. I would, I'm actually interested to play, the, like, to play some of the games. Just release them on the Switch. Um, but I think... One, two, I, I, and three are all on the Switch now. Hell yeah. Okay. I know what I'm doing next. <laughs> but... Thank you, Grant. Um, but and so think, is eleven. Oh God! <laughs> Do I dare buy four more Switch games? <laughs> As can I just bought four of them, but there was a sale, and I got them four for less than sixty dollars. There is always a sale. There is always a sale. <laughs> I've had to tell myself that many times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but sorry. I just wanted to add to what you guys said. I think this movie is just it, it hits. Like, that last 10 minutes, it really hits and it saves it, I think, because had it just ended abruptly within, like, you know, um, sealing the gates or whatever, and, like, they killed they killed Nimzo, I think it wouldn't have been as good, but I think this twist is what kind of makes it, like, you know what, I will take more Dragon Quest movies. I'm open to more of it. I'm open to seeing more of this world. It's, like, and it explains why it feels mediocre, like... For someone who's like, like you said, like you've played the game, so this it just it, we, to our point when we talk about adaptations, I think if something isn't like scene for scene, like something that's like in the video game, then if something's going to be an adaptation, I kind of look forward to like an original story, yeah, like to something new, like using all the lore that's been built up, and if you want to make minor tweaks, like what's a good one, um, Bleach. Like the, yeah. the one on Netflix that we watch. I think that's a good adaptation. It's not shot for shot the same thing, but there are parts in it that are kind of shot for shot, but they but we get we get some more stuff with it that you that we don't need. Like not all anime adaptations have to be this perfect copy of the anime in human form. Like, I'm, I'm really fine with them not being that. I think that's where you get the opportunity to make something special. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that, I think when that happens, especially, I, I think that they're just better when that happens, too. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have that, that large burden that comes with having to make it exact. Like, there's because... more leeway. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good point because, like, now we have a One Piece live action and a Cowboy Bebop live action coming to Netflix. And to further Kate's point, Netflix is really trying to get our anime dollars. Oh hell! Um, um, even like even for just like live actions. And I'm like, we already know there's going to be limitations. Like they've announced One Piece to be just twelve episodes at this point. There's limitations, so that's gotta be an adaptation, and like, so we're not. It's not going to be a shot for shot thing, but I don't think. Well, like, I think people have to understand there's a difference between adaptation and there's a difference between drastically changing characters, like yeah. Goku from Dragon Ball Evolution. Yeah. You mean you mean Son Garth? <laughs> oh god! <laughs> I love it. And that is what we will call him from now on. We decided that on our Dragon Ball Evolution episode, that he was Son Garth. That is so perfect. Oh, what's your name? I love it. I I, I gotta say that, to to your point about an original story, 
for me as someone who is familiar, the parts that I was most charmed by that were similar to the game mm-hmm. were never with the story beats. Mm-hmm. The part, like if it was a completely original story, you're right. It would have been, it wouldn't have worked for this twist, but I feel like it would have been better right. because the the parts that consistently charmed me were the little nods to the game. The soundtrack in this movie is entirely mm-hmm. just remastered the soundtrack from the game. That's really cool. Yeah, every cool. single song I was like humming along. Like, I know that song. I know that song. I know that song. It's all of the same town and dungeon and battle themes from the game. All of it. And like, there's there's one of the montage bits of him running around adventuring there's a bit where he's just like surrounded by little metal slimes and he keeps hitting them with his sword and just it keeps clanging and he gets frustrated is because there are metal slimes in the games that show up very rarely and they're really really hard to damage but but if you do before they can run away you get a ton of xp and so it's like a fun little nod to a thing in the games. Mm-hmm. So it was consistently fun little stuff like that, or even just like when Bianca feeds him the medicinal herb and he crunches on it and all his wounds are healed like it's a senzu yeah. Like, Yeah. That stuff. And even, even just like the simple thing of them calling out the magic, like the spell names, was fun. Mm-hmm. And so that was the stuff that I was most charmed by during the, during the bulk of the movie. I didn't really care that it was following the story of Dragon Quest V. So Mm -hmm. I think it had to for the message they were trying to send with this ending. Mm -hmm. I think it worked. The the, the thing that, the one thing about the ending that like adds another layer, if you're familiar with the background of the series, is that, you know, he's giving the anime speech, oh, you know, just because they weren't real doesn't mean it didn't matter, blah, blah, blah. And then Gutrude the slime... (laughs) Oh, right. We almost forgot about Gertrude. Gertrude jumps in. Don't say we almost forgot about about Gertrude. Sorry, I brought up Gertrude. Thank you very no. much. I'm talking about Gertrude. the end. Did you say the thing at the end oh, that no, Gertrude I didn't. does? I didn't. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, there I, is no Gertrude eraser here. No, we we hard Gertrude. <laughs> I want a plushie. I would like a giant Gertrude, please. Somebody. I gotta say they. They made they made that slime so fucking cute the entire movie. <laughs> yes. So the um, out. But when Gutru jumps out and starts bellowing in a Steve Bloom voice. It's so good. Like, ah, I'm actually an antivirus software to protect you against this particular thing. Here, take Is this. Is Steve Bloom? Oh my Here's god. Steve Bloom. Oh my god. It makes it even better. <laughs> and then Gutru like turns into a sword, and then Luca takes the sword and slices you know, slices cynicism in half with a sword made out of idealism. <laughs> the sword that Gutrude turns into is Erdrich's sword, which is the original ultimate weapon from the original Dragon Quest. Oh, that's cool. See, that's a nice nod for, for fans. We yeah, it's the original legendary sword that, like, started this whole thing, right? And so... I thought that was a really nice touch of like, because the whole point of Dragon Quest V is that you're not actually the hero, your son is the hero. But, and I was, I kept wondering how they were going to reconcile that, because it's like, okay, but like, 
does that mean Luca's not going to get to have the big final hero moment? Because we haven't spent a lot of time with his kid. And so this is that this going to be weird, right? But so, I mean, like, it, it is weird. Like the thing, like, it's weird watching it and not knowing this stuff. Because I'm just like, so he's not the hero, but it's his son. And we're just supposed to be cool with it because we haven't seen the son in seven years. Or yeah. like, you get you get like the little you get that little chunk of time. No, not even a chunk. You get a little bit of time to see the child, and that kid says maybe ten lines, and that's it. Yeah, and so I was wondering how they're going to handle that. And I think by giving him Erdrich's sword at the end, it's like okay, yeah, in the story you're not the legendary hero, but you're still the hero. Yeah. And so then, like they made mm-hmm. Luca the hero, even though he wasn't, and it worked in a weird way that right. I I think. You don't lose anything by not having the background for that, but I think having that background adds just an extra little chef's kiss on top of mm-hmm. this really cool ending. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Well, I'm glad you like. Told, like, you were a great guest to have on this episode. I know. Like, I feel like I've but I've not known. learned a lot more, and I kind of want to watch it again mm-hmm. just to like see. I mean, because it's one of those things where like I knew Dragon Quest because anime. Weeb, otaku, whatever what it was called back in the day. Um, but like, there's a lot that I didn't know, and so I think kind of like having you kind of like deconstruct it in this way and like add those levels. Like, I want to go in again, and sorry, I want to go in again and kind of like see it from that perspective, um, and also not be lost. And then, honestly, like, the animation is good enough for a second watch, in my opinion. It is. I agree. I mean, after this episode, I kind of just want to go ahead and start reading the manga. Yeah. Like, it just, it, it, it's my brand. I love fantasy. I love adventure. It just, it looks good. But, like, also, I would totally now having more information about all the stuff that you shared with us, Grant, I think it's worth watching it. I mean, this would be my third time now. But I would watch, <laughs> I would watch, I would watch this a third time. Because again, the animation in that last ten minutes makes it a good movie. Yeah, and like some of the some of the weirder points of the earlier parts of the movie start to make sense with it in in context. Mm-hmm. Like they show him going into the mm-hmm. pod, and like, oh, he agonized over Bianca and Nira so much because he said, "I usually pick Bianca, but this time I'm going to pick Nira," and accidentally turned right. on a self suggestion program. But the other kind of fun thing is that, like, when they show his screen, they say, like, hero name, Luca, add-on programs, one, add-on characters, one, start point, young adult, is what the... <laughs> so, like, oh, they skip the childhood stuff because he specifically wanted to start where the game actually gets interesting. And the mm. add-on characters, one, was interesting because Bjorn, the big behemoth monster, yeah. in, the, in the game, he's just a boss fight. He shows up, he threatens Calamity, you fight him, you kill him, and a story. But in the movie, he spares him, and so then Bjorn ends up joining the party and helping at the end of the movie. Yeah. So it's like, oh, add-on characters one. He's playing with the Bjorn DLC. That's cool. I oh. Like that. <laughs> I like that. I that like is so lot, cool. Actually. Yes. And I yes. also fully understand now why you said that this is a movie for the fans. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of little details that like only make sense if you've played the game that are really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't played the game, I feel like a lot of those finer details go over your head. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because like you saying that earlier, I'm like, oh yeah, of course, because the last 10 minutes, right? And then it's like, no, it's like, it's more than that because there is a lot of little things, like you said, like the chef's kiss that you as a fan or like someone who's played the games would pick up on that we probably would never pick up on had we not like, you know, had some knowledge of it. Mm -hmm. So, And I really love that he had like, he had the, and I think this is, this is more widely applicable. This isn't just a dragon quest thing. This is more a widely applicable thing where he has this perspective of, I always pick Bianca. So I'm going to pick Nira this time. And then when he gets to that moment, even though he literally has the game trying to hypnotize him into picking Nira, mm-hmm. he still goes with his heart and picks Bianca. I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like that's me with every in-game choice in any video game. Yeah. yeah. It's always, I'm going to try something different this time. And then you get to that moment and you're like, no, I can't do it. Because that feels like a betrayal of the first version of that character. Like, I've played Mass Effect so many goddamn times, you guys, I've never done anything differently. Really? I mean, maybe little things here and there, but for all the big stuff, I'm always like, "Ah, I can't do it. Oh. I have have three playthroughs on each each game that is all good, all bad, the Kate playthrough. See, I can't. I I tried to do a Renegade playthrough of Mass Effect one time, and I just couldn't do it because Renegade Shepherds are such a fucking dick. Yes, yes, they are. They they, they really are. <laughs> like you get to that that one side quest pretty early on in the Citadel, where you have to like help the guy get his wife's remains back. Yeah. It's like I don't I don't want to be mean to the old man. Yeah, I've but... never played this game, but I need to play. It's really good. It's, uh, it's good. three. There's three of them, and the progress. Every choice you make from one carries all the way to three. Sometimes in ways you would not expect. Yes. I will give it a try. I mean, I've been playing similar to you, Grab. I've been playing a few JRPG games, so maybe I need a break, or I could just play more JRPG games and buy or, more Dread Quest. Or I, or I could get you into Trails. It's Trails. Oh, I'll tell you all about Trails when we're off the mic. Okay. <laughs> new obsession. New obsession. Uh, but okay, so I think we've talked about everything. I mean, it, I don't know if we want to. We can say favorite characters. I, we usually say like who we liked. I feel like the uh, everyone likes Gertrude. But if y'all have any other favorite characters before Gertrude we wrap up, was definitely great. Gertrude is um, the best. End of story. I'm <laughs> really glad they didn't cut Sancho. Oh. He he didn't do a whole lot in this, but in the game, it's I was I was scared they were going to cut cut Tio Sancho, and they didn't, <laughs> uh, which was great. Although they although they whitewashed his accent, um, <laughs> yeah. In in the game, he speaks with like an obviously Spanish accent. Okay, that's cool. Um, but in jet, like I don't know. Honestly, I actually really liked. I, I, I really liked Bianca in the original game, and even though they changed her, I really liked her in this movie. Mm. Yeah, she is cool. She is cool. I like Percy. And yeah. Gertrude. Bianca's good, too. Nothing against them. Nira, I wished had, like, we could have seen her in action, because I, like, I understand that she's also, like, could have been a party member mm-hmm. in some parts, but, I mean, we saw her, like, have a personality, so I'll take it. But Percy and Gertrude them too 
They're my favorites. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think overall, this is a fun movie to watch. I agree. Like final thoughts, I would say go watch it. Even though, like we said, the, the story is a bit mediocre, but I think Grant, you've already said it, fans will like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're a fan of Dragon Quest, definitely watch it. Oh, also, I do feel like I have to say that Nira is just Bulma. <laughs> you know I mean, what? Yes, she's Mage Bulma. <laughs> she's Mage the Bulma. I saw her. <laughs> you can do that with most of the Dragon Quest games because really Akira Toriyama has like five character designs. <laughs> that makes yes. sense. That makes this sense. This is true. I mean, same thing like with Chrono Trigger. Oh shit, if you go back actually, to- I just looked up uh, a manga of Bianca, and that is literally just I'm gonna look Android it up. 18. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is, in the original game, the sprite for the hero's son, um, his hair is a lot spikier, and mm-hmm. his, hair color, his hair color is dependent on who you marry. But, so if you marry Bianca, he's got spiky blonde hair, and the the game came out while Toriyama was drawing the Cell Saga. Uh, so, as a result, not so much in the movie, but in the game, he's just Super Saiyan Gohan. Yes. That, that kid. Okay, yes. Yeah, because yeah he's the Super Saiyan Gohan. <laughs> it is just like, it is one of those things where like, I always like see Dragon Quest characters. Like when I first saw him, I'm like, why is Goku in a turban? And it's like, <laughs> oh, it's Dragon Quest. Because, like, I will say this movie, they do a good job of not making them look like Dragon Ball Z characters. And, like, again, Akira Toriyama knows five character designs. But they work. They work for him. Oh. Uh, but, yeah. I'm, I just Googled it too, Kate. You're right. This is just Android 18 as a mage. Yep. Mm-hmm. Android 18 and Bulma. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, though, you know? The women in, Dragon, in the Dragon Ball series and Akira Toriyama's work is a discussion for another day. That, <laughs> that is a discussion for another day. I'm going to write that down the notes. That is a whole-ass discussion for another day. Get Paige in on that one. Oh, Paige would, be, Paige would be good to have. You she, know what? Honestly, I think she would be interested. You should get Paige in on that one. Gonna write that down now before we forget. But while we do that, Grant, you want to tell the people where they can find you? Or sorry, I don't want to skip over too many things. Were we all wrapped up? Everyone I'm said wrapped up. I'm good. I think so. Cool. Well, take it away, Grant. Yeah. So uh, you can find Gilmore Ball Z on basically every podcasting source, including Spotify. Uh, you just search Gilmore Ball Z. Uh, oddly enough, when your title sounds like a fever dream, you don't get confused too much. <laughs> Uh, and you can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Gilmore Ball Z Facebook page and on Twitter at Gilmore Ball Z. If you want to follow me specifically on Twitter, uh, my Twitter is at GPLOW92. Uh, that's G-P-L-O-W-E-9-2. Um, and yeah, we put out new episodes every Saturday. Nice. Dope. And thank you again for coming on. This was great. Yes. Yeah, this was fun. Um, you were a delight. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at DYHT underscore pod. Get involved with us. Talk with us. Tell us what your what your favorite weeb thing is at the moment. And you can find me on Twitter at OhMyMythRandier. Nisha? And you can also find me on Twitter at LA underscore NEY underscore SHA. I apologize for all the underscores. I know it's hard to find me. Um, 
But yeah, that's where you can find me. And with that, will you go play or read Dragon Quest after this? If you could be any Dragon Quest character, who would you be? And does Akira Toriyama know how to draw anybody else besides a Dragon Ball Z character? Find out next time on Did You Have To. Bye! Did You Have To is co-produced by Kate Sanchez and Lanisha Campbell. Our intro is done by Dr. Emery Stephen Daniel. And our outro and intro music is by Benjamin Tassad, a.k.a. Ben Sonny.